Hello, what is up, everybody? This is the Good Theology Podcast. My name is Josh, and I am joined by Jake Sweetman and David Campbell for today's episode. We are going to be starting a cool new series, and I'll give a bit more details after I throw it over to you guys and give some sort of remarks. Yes. Remarks. So good to be together. What's up to all of our listeners? David, how are you? Good to see you. Good to see you, too. Yeah, are you? Uh, you're back in Canada, right? I am temporarily. Yes. Temporarily. Yes. Yes. As everybody yeah. should only ever be in Canada. Temporarily. <laughs> I don't know why I really tickled myself with that. Uh, so we just came off the back of our uh, Holy Spirit conference, which is why we've been a bit sparse um, in our episode releases lately, because yeah. we've been super busy getting ready for that. And then had a very busy week uh, after that. And then also... Um, some travel happening as well. Uh, but want to shout out really quick uh, to a few of our listeners who actually came oh, wow. to Holy Spirit Auburn awesome. because they listened to Good Theology Podcast, so awesome. which is super rad. Um, so we got to meet a few of them. That was awesome. And we're doing Holy Spirit Auburn again uh, next year. This time it's going to be in June. You can go to hs-conference.com to uh, uh, learn more about that. And if you want to come and join us, this year was crazy impactful and powerful um and if this comes out before the end of the month there's still early bird pricing oh uh, yeah. yeah i think this might be 30th. the last is this is, although the 30th perfect yeah. great so they should grab that but you were one of the testimonies on yes conference, so share your story yeah so i've had scoliosis or i don't know how long i've had it i was diagnosed with it when i was 13 and pretty much ever since then pain has progressed in my back uh just upwards and so it starts it started little and then it became chronic pain for me and to the point that on a scale of one to ten i'd always live with a five mm-hmm. every single day and i've just learned to ignore it and it's kind of just been there and i've learned to live with it but uh day one of conference jack deer came along did a call for anybody here with back pain as generic as uh a healing Call. Yes, that and he be. the way he set it up too. He's like, I, I absolutely hate that I'm about to say this, yeah, but but there are people uh, who are back pain. So I, I stood up, asked for prayer. Didn't get healed in that moment, but God did shift my perspective of instead of I'll live with this for the rest of my life um, to maybe He can do something cool with this. And so I prayed. I was in faith. I told everybody that I could at conference. I was like, I'm believing for God to heal me in this week, this yeah. conference. And I went home and I had the worst back pain uh, of, 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 not one, but I, but in a long time. Like from that usual five, it was like an eight. God just wanted to make sure that you knew what the pain was like. Yeah. So that you could tell the difference between I, yes. not healed and healed. Maybe that's what it was. But the next day, uh, Pastor Jake gives another call for healing. I step forward again. Pastor Dilla, uh, one of the pastors, did C3, prayed for me. And first prayer, still nothing. And he was like, well, we're going to pray again. Second prayer, I felt half the pain go away. It's usually in my lower back and the middle of my back. The lower back pain went away completely. And I, I was gonna I was gonna run home with that. I was like, cool. I'm done. I'm done. Half half the pain is is healed. I can live with this. And he was like, no, we're gonna pray again. And sure enough, after the third prayer, uh, went away completely. No back pain. And it's been two weeks since. And I I cannot tell you the joy of waking up and my first thought not being Gosh, my pain, my then back hurts so much. Yeah. And so that is a testimony of how God heals still today. 
And I had a friend tell me an interesting perspective. Maybe it hurt a whole lot that night because God was like realigning things and mm. evolves a little mm. bit of pain. So the like, hey, care. Hey, I'll take that. We had this other amazing moment at conference that I have to share. Um, this is an unplanned part of the episode, but it was so wild. So on the first night of the conference, we had Jack here with us. He gave the word. Um, he gave a few words of knowledge for healing. We had a few uh, moments of prayer for that. Uh, but we still had time left in the, the service. And so we didn't want to rush. That was one of the things that we wanted to be a marker of this conference. We didn't want to rush through the services. And so we had just heard Jack Deere talk about hearing the voice of God. And um, so I asked Dylan, a member of our pastoral team, who I at this point have known that this is a, a, a gift that God seems to have given him words of knowledge. I asked him if he was hearing anything from the Lord. And he goes, yeah, man, but it's so weird. And I don't know if we should say it. I don't know if it's if it's actually God. I'm like, well, what is it? He goes, I'm hearing two words. And the two words are octopus and chaos. And <laughs> I was like, that, that you're right. That is weird. Um, and so we kind of had a moment side stage. At this point, there's already people down at the altar getting prayers. So we're kind of like off to the side. And we're like, should we say it? Should we not? I kind of decide... I don't think we should say that, especially since I'm the guy who's going to call it out, you know? And so I move on we pray for a couple of other things. And then, you know, two, three minutes later, it comes back into my brain and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to take, you know, take that as a, a signal that God does want us to, to pray for this. So I said, and in the moment when I called it out, I was actually split to explain this to somebody the other day. I had very little doubt that it wasn't God. Okay. Like I was, Pretty confident that it was God in that moment. Uh, and so I was like, hey, I'm going to say these two words. And if these mean anything to you in connection to one another, like not one or the other, but both these words. And I was like, octopus in chaos. And this girl puts her hand up in the air and she's like, I have an octopus cat to, uh, an oct- octopus tattoo and a pet cat named chaos. And so she comes down, receives prayer. And it was really awesome. But the backstory is what makes it so cool is that uh, she had not wanted to come to the conference. She was about to leave. Yeah, so I'll get to that. She had not wanted to come to the conference in the first place, um, goes to one of our small groups, but doesn't regularly come to church. And her small group was praying for her um, and really encouraging her to be there. They can, and and they, uh, I think like a night or two before conference, they're praying for her and they're just encouraging her to like ask God for a specific word for her at conference. So she comes on the first day. She shows up a bit early while we're doing like our rally with the team. And then I think that has a moment of like, I shouldn't be here. I'm not supposed to be here. Goes to leave. One of our other pastoral team members was in the parking lot and happened to see her walking by, connects with her. Somehow in that exchange, he convinces her or she decides to stay. So she stays. And at the very end of the night, we get this octopus chaos um, uh, word that came from Dylan. And she puts her hand up and comes down and receives prayer. And it was just this amazing uh, amalgamation of events that led up to that moment um, that made it so special because she didn't want to be there, because she came and tried to leave, because she had been encouraged to ask God to single her out with a word just for her. And then in the most creative of ways, God decided to to do that. So that was really special. Powerful conference. David was there, preached and, and taught so powerfully. Um, it was just, it was awesome. So, so great yeah, people should come next year. Yeah. 
hs-conference.com. Yeah. That's our ad. That is our yeah. ad. Yeah. But today we're going to be starting a new series, just like I said, and we're going to be going through the different I am statements of Jesus throughout the gospels. And so I will throw it to you, but today we'll be talking about the I am statement that Jesus had said Yep. in John 6, yep. I am the bread of life. Yes. So in John 6, uh, starting in verse uh, 26, Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. So a bit of context here for our listeners. This is right after uh, Jesus feeds the 5,000, uh, which happens at the start of John chapter 6. They wake up the next day and they go looking for Jesus because they like the fact that Jesus gave them a whole bunch of bread and fish. Uh, and then Jesus says, do not work for the food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. And they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And uh, Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it's not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For The bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And we'll stop our reading there. So Jesus is claimed here to be the bread of life. David, why don't you kick us off with uh, the biblical significance of Jesus's claim here to be life-giving bread? Yeah, <clears throat> and what... Uh... Uh, what Jesus is saying here is really fleshed out in the uh, course of John's gospel, where John uh, shows how Jesus was the fulfillment of the promises of the Old Testament, and particularly of all the Jewish observances and feasts. Um, so if you go through John's gospel, uh, you've got um, you know the water jars being filled, uh, and Jesus and the Samaritan woman, uh, and you, you've got the Old Testament promise of, you know, the rivers of water, living water, um, Jesus, the uh, water that was there at Sinai, Jesus is the fulfillment of that. Um, he goes in and cleanses the temple, destroy this temple, I will raise it in three days. Jesus is the new temple, so he's the new water of life, he's the new temple. Um, and then uh, um, the Son of Man, uh, the Passover is made for the Son of Man. Jesus uh, is the Lamb of God. Um, he is the new Passover. Uh, and we get to the Feast of Tabernacles. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Feast of Tabernacles. Jesus, the fulfillment of the Sabbath. And here, Jesus is the, ful is the fulfillment of the manna that the um, Israelites head in the desert and there's quite a bit in John's gospel about that chapter 6 I think and so the significance of the bread is the manna that that um, God was with the children of Israel when they wandered in the wilderness and the apostle Paul says the rock was Christ that accompanied them uh, so Christ was there with them and he uh, is the the living water that comes out of the rock 
and he is also the new manna, the bread of life that that isn't just temporary, but is uh, enduring. And um, you know, it's important to uh, it's important when we read all those things that John writes about in his gospel. It's important to remember that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all Old Testament prophecy, and um, it isn't that. Some prophecy is fulfilled at some future date in Israel uh, as a geographical nation, and that other prophecies fulfilled in Christ. No, everything is fulfilled in Christ. So all biblical prophecy in the Old Testament, including the restoration of the land, has to be looked at in terms of uh, Jesus Christ and filtered through that lens. And so when he says, I am the bread of life, uh, here in John's Gospel, uh, that's part of a much bigger theme, where he's showing, you know, to the Jewish people, uh, I am the fulfillment of everything you've been, you know. And of course, it doesn't work because they 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 don't recognize him at all. And he he says, well, you know, if you don't believe what Moses wrote, you won't believe what I say. Um, in other words, if you don't believe the Old Testament then you're not going to believe what I say either because the Old Testament points to me. And if you can't see that, then you won't make any sense of what I'm talking about either. So that's the big sort of theological or biblical background to it. Right. And I I feel like there's a thread that we can follow all the way from the Old Testament to the New Testament of the symbolic nature, right? Mm -hmm. you know, Right in the passage we just read, talked about how they were calling back to when their ancestors were fed with manna. Mm-hmm. Is there something to that specific passage in the Old Testament with regards to the Israelites going through the desert, being fed with manna? Is there a connection between that mm-hmm. and Jesus' claim to be the life? I think so, for sure. Well, there's a direct connection between that, but I would even go uh, further back. The first time bread is mentioned in the Bible. Um, is in Genesis uh, chapter 3 when God is pronouncing judgment upon Adam and the serpent. Um, And he says to Adam, Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow uh, you will eat your food. The ESV says you will eat your bread. Um... And so this is the first time bread is mentioned uh, in the scripture, and it's in connection to sin, the effect of sin. And the effect of sin is essentially that mankind now enters into toil. Yeah, We always had work, but now we have toil. Now we have back-breaking work. Now we have blistering work. And it's interesting to me um, that this toil is connected to their relationship with the ground. Now the ground is cursed. And a couple of things stood out to me about that. Uh, first of all, that the ground is the the substance, Genesis says, from which mankind is made. So God takes the dust of the earth and breathes the breath of life into that and forms mankind. And now the ground is cursed. And one of the things that that speaks to me about, and this is probably a, uh, a theological reading it certainly wouldn't be a historical uh historic critical reading but um is that sin has marked us down to the very substance of our being right like sin is not just something that's external to us 
that we entertain every now and then, sin is in the fabric of our being. Every part of humanity at this point uh, is corrupted by, touched by sin um, in, in some sense. And then God says uh, to them, uh, after by this one of your brow, you will eat your, your food or your bread until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. So not only are they going to fight with the ground in order to get their bread, they're going to toil in order to get their bread. They're also going to return to the ground at the end of their days. It's almost like, and to me, this harkens back to the original sin itself where they, they reach out to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to right. find life. They reach out to another source from the ground. They they reach out to find life apart from God, yeah. for life comes from God. Um, and, and in a sense, they live unto their own preferences, right? And so they the judgment for that is, well, is they reap the outcome of that, yes. which is life apart from God is, is death. And ultimately, that death is going to be a returning to the ground. So the thing that they look, look to to give them life, right? Is actually going to end in their death. Yeah. The, the 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 phrase that came to me when I was thinking about it was, um, they're they're going to die upon the altar of of the idol that they look to to give them life, um, and essentially worshiping creation instead of worshiping right. the Creator. And so this element of the ground stood out to me in connection with bread. Jesus is the bread of life, but after sin, all we had was the bread of death. And then when you fast forward to the matter in the wilderness, um, it, it says uh, that the, the matter would appear on the ground. Every single morning they would come out from their tents and the matter would be there. And it specifically says on the desert floor. So that was really striking to me because God could have made the matter appear anywhere. Right. He could have had Israel set out plates, you know, of the night before, I hope you're there, and and boom, the manna is going to appear right. for every family on a plate. God could have had the manna appear directly in their mouths, right? You know, if He wanted to do, but God sets the manna on the ground, and not just on any ground, but on the desert floor, and um, that picture connected to me back to this curse upon the ground, upon ground that produces thorns and thistles, upon dry, dusty, dead ground and yet that's where the manna appears right. the supply of heaven meets earth's struggle if that doesn't speak to the incarnation then i don't know what does yeah the bread that comes down from heaven rests upon not ground that that feigns perfection mm -hmm. not ground that pretends to be fruitful not ground that 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 pretends like it produces life-giving bread the, the per yes the perfect bread of heaven rests on those who admit their it rests upon dead, dry, dusty ground, right? Um, and brings them to life. Yeah, that's. I, I kind of think back to Genesis and how the bread over the dead ground could also. I want to say there's an out to the spirit hovering over the water, the water being darkness and evil. In the same way that the ground has been cursed, the ground is the ground being cursed, being a fruit of our sin. Yes, the same way bread. It rests over that to show that this is God's better than what we had chosen. And the other thread that I want to uh, pull on is um, the old covenant and the new covenant. The, that they had to work and sacrifice for, for their salvation in the old covenant. 
And in the same way, they had to work for bread. They had to toil for the food to eat. But in the New Testament, when Jesus comes into the picture, no longer do you have to work. The gift is freely given, and you just have to repent and believe. Because the, that's the question that they ask. What is the, the work that God requires? Right. It says, this is the work of God that you believe in him who he has set. Um, and and the bread itself is a gift. Yeah. Work for the bread that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Yeah. Um, and and so... Maybe that's why they ask for what the work is, because you're so used to having to... Where are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's another picture of the Old Testament of bread as well. Um, the bread of the presence mm-hmm. in the tabernacle. Um, and to me, what Jesus does so beautifully is he he comes and saves mankind. He forgives mankind of their sins. But he also redeems what it is to be human. Right. Uh, and he redeems our activity. He redeems our work. And I, I want to emphasize that work is not a result of sin. Toil is a result of sin, right. but work itself is not a re- result of sin. Work can actually be something glorious. It's something the pain in work. That's a result of sin. Yes, but but work itself can be partnership with the Lord that that glorifies Him. Um, and the bread of the presence to me is a, a powerful image because they, the priests would set out these twelve loaves of bread that were placed on the table in front of the holy of holies, and the bread would sit there for seven days. For a whole week and the bible says that it would stay fresh right. the whole time and at the end of the seven days the priests would then eat those loaves they would eat those 12 loaves and replace it with 12 fresh loaves um and i think that's a cool image that that speaks to uh that speaks to how jesus redeems humanity but when we submit our lives to the presence of god when we when we orient our lives around relationship with God, we actually don't lose our lives. Like the bread that is the offering, they also get to eat. The life that is the offering also receives the blessing of of uh, submission to and partnership with the Lord. Um, and it's not stale. It's not crusty. Right. It's it's fresh. Yeah. Um, and Jesus says to us that if you try to keep your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give your life to me, then you're you're actually going to get life. Yeah. And so, um, I think a lot of times people can be afraid to truly submit to the Lord, thinking, "Well, I will I'll have a life of my own." Yeah. No, that's the only way you will have yeah. life. <laughs> yeah, uh, is by coming to the bread of life. Right. So, yeah. I want to throw it over, David, and if if you have any thoughts on how the Old Testament connects to the uh, Jesus in the New Testament with regards to this specific uh well here word. here's the here's a fascinating uh uh thought which uh, I think is significant is the Hebrew word for bread is lechem and Jesus is born in Beit Lechem the house of bread Whoa. uh and so and that's prophesied of course in the Old Testament and fulfilled in the New so it adds another dimension, doesn't it? That uh, it's the, it's the that that Jesus is the bread of life, and the prophetic fulfillment of all the promises of the Old Testament. Right. That's definitely a very interesting fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so we we talk about all of this big picture theological application, the historical background of um, how can we trace bread all throughout Scripture. But I want to bring it to a practical level. If I 
am somebody who's getting to know Christ. And somebody talks to me about him being the butterfly. Mm -hmm. My question will be then, so what? What does that have to do with my life? I think, uh, yeah, to me, it means that the person who trusts in Christ um, comes to the end of toil. So uh, it, it's not that you come to the end of work, mm-hmm. but but now uh, you, you, your work is not just about trying to bring life out of the ground, yeah. which only produces the bread of death. Mm-hmm. Bread that overpromises and underdelivers. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, uh, sometimes the seeds won't take, sometimes the rain won't come, right. sometimes the locusts will eat the crops, mm-hmm. moments of satisfaction here and there, some good and rewarding days here and there, but on the whole toil. That's life apart from Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, But Christ is the end of toil to every person who believes, meaning that you enter into a relationship not with the supply, you enter into a relationship with the source. Right. And so now there's a a, uh, huge facet of trust that becomes a part of your daily life so that... um, in your work, you're actually, you know who you're working for. You know who is the person that is supplying my needs. Yeah. And and the other dimension to that is your work itself takes on purpose. And now it's not just about the, the what I reap. Not just the sustenance. Now, exactly. It's more than the sustenance. Now it's about how can God get glory through the way that I approach it? Right. Um, how, how can God use me to minister to the people that I work with? And uh, how can God use the sustenance itself as a means for his glory, uh, whether that be money or whatever else. So um, it or it reorients your relationship to work. Right. So that now it's not, you are not the end of your work. You're and just, it's not just about toils and pain. Right. Uh, I'll throw it over to David. And practically speaking, how does uh, the Christian take this in? How do they apply it? Jesus being the well, I think I think that I think that um, bread and wine are pictured as kind of um, staples of life in the Old Testament. Of course, the wine wasn't, uh, you know, it was highly diluted compared to what we drink, and it was safe to drink uh, because of its composition. So I think it's significant. Uh, the bread that Jesus is presented as the new wine and the new bread, um, the tr- or maybe I should say the true wine and the true bread, as well as the true water, which is li- image is linked to the Holy Spirit as well. These are all fundamental components of life, and it really speaks to the fact that you know the imagery is pointing to to, to life. That's what it's pointing to. Um, and as you pointed out, Jake, uh, the sin in the garden led to death. Uh, you know, the ground will become barren and it, it won't produce the necessities of life anymore. But Jesus comes to restore life and life in all of its fullness, John tells us in chapter 10. Um, and so uh, so bread is part of that. And uh the new wine is part of that, and the water of the Holy Spirit is all part of that new life, that abundant life that Jesus is bringing. So, uh, you know, we we uh, we want to 
rejoice in that. And, you know, when we present Christianity, um, it is supposed to be something that's full of life. It isn't, it isn't um, hitting people over the head. Uh, you know, I know I understand the essentialized element of the gospel is you have to understand your need. You have to understand that you're in need of a Savior. You're a sinner in need of a Savior. But if all we do is go beating people over the head and saying you're a wretched bum, uh, you know, and you, you need to get saved, then that's not, you know, a very hopeful way of winning people. I mean, we want to, we, we want to walk, we want to walk in life. We want to be people who are actually experiencing life. Um, and although all of us, uh, you know, it's, it, I mean, we all face struggles in this life. I mean, that's, you know, none of us is floating on a cloud, you know, above the surface, just never having anything uh, wrong happen to them, but, or difficult happen to them. But nevertheless, in, even in the midst of the difficulties of the, that we face, we have life. We have life in the midst of darkness, life in the midst of challenge, and the life is something that people are looking for today. And if we can manifest the life of Jesus, I carry around with me the death of Jesus in my body so that the life also may be manifest, Paul says. And, you know, so these this, this idea of bread symbolizes above everything else in terms of food, it symbolizes life in the Old Testament. It is life. And, and God gave manna, he kept them alive, he brought life to them. He gave them water. He brought life to them. And now we find out that Jesus is the real fulfillment of life. He's the real manna. He's the real bread of life. And we have life. And I think, you know, we don't um, appreciate sometimes, just like you and your back, Josh, that that healing is available, uh, um, but maybe it wasn't something that was preoccupying you um, but then the opportunity presented itself and somebody prays for you and hey, something amazing happens. And thank God they kept on praying because even Jesus had to pray twice over the, the blind man. Um, thank goodness that, 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 uh, Dylan in this case kept praying for you, um, pressing through to see what God was going to do. And as a result of which you're free of the chronic pain that you had for years and, not only are you free of that, that's a manifestation of life in your mortal body. Now you've got something to advertise, you know, to, you've got a, a story to tell that is going to affect people. And, you know, that's amazing. I mean, I was alluding to, I can't remember where I was speaking, but I, I mean, since the conference, I was alluding to your story because I just said, well, the guy that picked us up, the, the guy that picked us up, the young guy that picked us up in the airport in the course of the conference he had been in chronic pain for, um, I said 13 years, but you're saying it was since you were 13. So anyways, 14 years. 14 years. Oh, well, see, I wasn't exaggerating, just the opposite. But anyway, I said that, um, and the whole place broke out in applause. Like, that was encouraging to people. You know, that's advertising life to people because it's suggesting, hey, maybe God can do it for me too, or God can do something else for me because he's the source of life. He's the bread of life. He was born in the house of bread, in the house of life. And, uh, and yeah. that's why Jesus came into this world. Great. Great. Love that. Born in the house of life. The house yeah. of bread. 
So just some closing thoughts for me, uh, reflecting on all that you have said. I just noticed the progression of it from beginning until Jesus. You you have when the grab is cursed and you have to toil for, mm-hmm. for bread. Yet manna where God had provided bread, but just enough for the day. Mm-hmm. Jesus comes and he's the bread of life. And he also says that he came that we may have life more abundantly. Mm-hmm. So in the end, as Jesus came, it wasn't just about having just enough for today, but so much more mm-hmm. abundant life is found in Jesus. And so that I attract so much with what David was saying about how he, the new life, new bread, new wine. There's there's a newness, but also an abundance to the life that we have when we find it in Jesus Christ. Great. Yeah, I think we often stop so short of what what God has to supply yeah. to us in Christ. Um, then we stop short of all those spiritual blessings. Mm-hmm. You know, we walk around with condemnation, or we walk around with fear, or whatever else. Um, and Jesus wants to lead us out of those things mm-hmm. into that abundance life that He describes. Yeah. It's not just the afterlife; it's life here. Yes, yeah. Jesus has to supply us. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Jake, David, for that amazing conversation. Uh, definitely deepened my understanding of bread of life. Seems like a very simple phrase that kind of just blows over our heads when we hear it in church but there's so much richness and uh, so much deeper to look into that so that is our i am statement for the day i'm the bread of life like i said we are going through a series on the different i am statements of jesus so stay tuned for that in the next episode next episode we'll be talking about i am the light of the world so just as this one was deep enriching and exciting i'm sure that will be very enlightening so thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of the Good Theology Podcast. Uh, we hope to see you again in the next episode. Bye.